Today's quote we have is talking about the whole passage that we've been looking at for the last two weeks, the whole of chapter two. It says, the whole passage is meant to position us in that place of blessing and protection. We need it. Raymond C. Ortland Jr. I'm Michelle Berkey, and this is God's Wisdom for Today, a weekday live broadcast series from the book of Proverbs. Just like a proverb, this show is a short, wisdom-packed nugget of truth teaching us how to live our lives well. The book of Proverbs is an invitation from God to step into the wisdom of God. It is a very practical roadmap for developing the skill of living. We're going to jump into episode 35 today. We're going to take a look at Proverbs 2, 16 through 19. We'll take a look at it in two different translations, talk about the language and the meaning, and then connect it to our everyday walking around lives by asking ourselves some questions. But before we get started with all that, let's pray. Father, I ask you to settle my heart down, guide my words, guide my thoughts. Spirit, open up this passage to our understanding, to everyone listening and to me as I'm speaking and teaching. Let nothing come from my mouth that would be false or untrue. I pray that you would just dig us into these words in such a way that our lives are changed, that we can't walk away from your word and ignore it, but that instead that it produces fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. CSB reads, So follow the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land, and those of integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous ripped out of it. The New Living Translation says, So follow the steps of the good and stay on the paths of the righteous. For only the godly will live in the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be removed from the land, and the treacherous will be uprooted. Let's talk about these verses. We are finishing chapter 2 today. This closes out this whole chapter where we have heard the Father describe two temptations. He's saying that discretion and understanding will save you from these two temptations. We talked about the evil man and the evil woman. We have a transition word leading into these verses. It's so or for or thus in the different translations. Discretion and understanding will protect you from temptation. So if we do those things, the behaviors that we've been instructed in, and we avoid temptation, we'll be following the way of good. We've had a few days of what it looks like to be in the way of darkness, right? Most of this week we spent talking about different paths of darkness, but today we see a contrast with the way of the good or the right. John Kitchen says, The primary intent of wisdom, however, is not simply avoiding evil, but seeking the good. The former must happen as an application of wisdom, but it's not the primary purpose. Wisdom is not first of all about refraining from bad things, but about pursuing God's best things. The orientation of wisdom is not primarily negative, but positive. So at the end of this chapter, we have a promise to the one who continues to walk in the fear of the Lord. And then we also have a final warning to those who would turn away from God's wisdom. But let's talk about the promise first. Verse 21 said, For the upright will inhabit the land, and those of integrity will remain in it. Now this promise he has is for the upright, for those who are walking in integrity, those on the straight road 
the right way, God's path. We've talked about those paths all week and how his path is the straight road in contrast with the wrong way, the way of darkness. So let's talk about what they're promised, that they will inhabit the land. That sounds kind of odd to our ears, but it's a reference to Israel inhabiting the promised land of Canaan. It probably even has an eschatological sense in that it looks forward to the future when God and his Messiah will rule the land in righteousness. Even more completely, it looks forward to the new heaven and the new earth where, quote, righteousness dwells, as we can see in 2 Peter 3.13. In a general sense, inhabiting the land is receiving God's promises and blessings. Now, the word live or inhabit means to settle down, to dwell there, to make your home there. The upright will live in the promises of God. We will inhabit his blessings. Even better than just receiving promises and living in them, we will remain there. We're staying put. This is our permanent residence. And finally, we have the contrasting warning in verse 22. But the wicked will be removed from the land and the treacherous will be uprooted. The wicked or the treacherous will be removed from the land from God's promises, from his blessings. Proverbs is filled with striking contrasts. For example, the word but is used 247 times in 243 verses. But none of those times are more striking than this one, which depicts the separation of the righteous from the wicked. Removed or cut off literally means to cut off or sever an object from its source, or to cut into parts. It implies a violent action. Use the same word when God cut a covenant with Abraham. And someday, if that interests you guys, we'll talk about what that means to cut a covenant. But entering into the Abrahamic covenant by faith, that brought salvation. But it's interesting on one hand that it led into eternal life, but on the other hand, in this verse, it leads to eternal death. Here in Proverbs 22, the context seems to make it clear that to cut off from the land is to be cut off from the land of the living, not only in this life, but worst of all, in the life to come throughout eternity. Let's talk about the word uprooted for a moment. The treacherous will be uprooted, the verse says. It's a verb that means to tear down, tear out, or cause to be displaced, to demolish or dismantle. It was used also when Manasseh tore down the altars in 2 Kings 23.12. The Hebrew word used for uprooted is almost exclusively used in the Old Testament in the context of judgment, both temporal in time as we know it, as in Deuteronomy 28.68 when he were prophesying of the 70-year exile of Judah to Babylon, but also eternal as in this verse. It isn't a temporary exile that we're talking about in this case. When you weed something out, you uproot it. It's forcibly removed from its location, and typically we trash it, right? What do we do with weeds when we take them out of the garden? We get rid of them. All the parts are being removed so that it can't grow back. It has gone forever, permanently removed. The Michelle translation of these verses is, walk with God on the right path. And you'll live in or abide in his promises. Walk in the way of wicked and you will be weeded out and gone for good. So let's ask ourselves some questions. How badly do you want to inhabit the land and why? A summary of this whole chapter might be, if you seek wisdom, she will be found and will protect you from temptations. You will be able to live in the way of the upright and inhabit the promises of God. 
But if not, you will fall victim to evil men or women and will walk in the way of darkness and be cut off from the land of the living. So as you think about that summary, what is one thing that you have learned from this chapter? And what is one thing that you can do in response to what you've learned? If you want a place to think about these questions further, write them down and keep track of what you learn in Proverbs, we send out a free set of journal pages each Sunday evening that will give you a place to answer them. If you want to get on that list, you can go to getwisdom.link backslash email. Getwisdom.link backslash email. As for me, before studying Proverbs, I understood wisdom to be like a vending machine. I think I've mentioned that before. You ask God for wisdom, He either sends immediate insight or He doesn't, and you move on. Now, I'm not saying that He doesn't give insight immediately when you ask, but the idea of God's wisdom as a protective shield on our life is somewhat new to me, and I want that for myself. I want it for you. I want it for my family. I think I've not understood how the practical side of the wisdom books teach us everyday life skills until this study. So that's my reaction to chapter two. How about you? What will you do with what you've learned today? Let's close in prayer. Lord, we don't want wisdom just for our own success. We want it so that we can better know you and better love you. We want it so that we can better live others and better live a life that honors you. So teach us that kind of wisdom, the kind of wisdom that transforms us into the likeness of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank y'all so much for joining with me today and walking through this book with me. If you found this broadcast helpful, I would love it if you shared it with a friend. Things are just more fun and we grow faster when we have friends along for the ride. If you're a podcast listener, hit those five-star rate and review sections and knock that out of the park. Thanks so much for joining me.